There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionising the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by a pretty special guest. I've been wanting to talk to this guy for for a while now. His name is Andrew Addy. He is the CEO of Untoxicated, which I had Faye Lawrence on. Oh God, it was a while ago now. And she was the founder of Untoxicated, which is a amazing free resource for uh, events and and awesome catch-ups for sober people. And so Andrew's now running that. Andrew's Three years sober. He's thirty six years old. He's a bit of a spunk. <gasps> Thanks for coming oh, too, on, Andrew. Too kind. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Jenny. What an intro. I know. Hey, <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at sucking up at the start, just to win. You know, <laughs> nice. get you relaxed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How are you? How are you going? I'm well, thank you. I, you know, part of my big sobriety journey is waking up in the morning and going for a big swim in the ocean which oh, I did. That's beautiful. And the waves were huge and I managed to catch a few of them. So I'm still a little bit high on adrenaline, I guess. That's beautiful. Whereabouts are you based? Uh, Bondi Beach. At Bondi. Oh my yep. God. That's gorgeous. That's that's really, that's an amazing place to live. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big part of my journey. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little about your journey. I always ask at the start of the podcast, how you got started with alcohol. So when did you first start drinking and what yeah. was that like for you? Yeah, so you know, my drinking career um started very early. I was probably, you know, twelve, thirteen, um, you know, stealing alcohol from my folks, you know, getting other people to buy it, people's like older siblings, you know, s- sneaking, you know, booze into pretty much every um social thing that was happening on the weekend. I grew up in Cairns in Finals, Queensland. Um, mm-hmm. so you know quite a small town, not, not the smallest, but um, still, you know, I would say not a lot to do for young people. Um, I was, uh, you know, going through my own um, sort of internal battle, um, coming to terms with um, being gay. Well, not really coming to terms with, I always knew that I was gay, Um, but, you know, definitely being in a world that um, I knew that I was significantly different to, to many others. Um, mm. And alcohol was something that I just um, just leapt into, you know. Um, it made you made me feel good, um, you know, and it gave me that sort of escape um, that I so desperately um, needed at the time. Mm. 
it just sort of it's it's a very sort of slow build just a very sort of you know just edging towards a full-blown you know alcohol problem um over the years you know drinking got just gradually worse and worse turned 18 and the floodgates were completely open Mm -hmm. um you know alcohol is everywhere um you know i could access it and um you know it really helped me sort of come come out i would say had Um, you come out at this stage no so i came out when i was about um 17 to some people Mm -hmm. um, but for most people it was over the next um few years um and you know i was experiencing some significant uh, you know mental health challenges as well um and that was probably you know the first time that I experienced having a nervous breakdown and alcohol was always there. Alcohol was always a part of this. Um, you know, it was both, you know, this is Simpsons quote, the cause and solution to, yeah. you know, all of my problems and just something that was just so deeply ingrained into my coping strategy for coming to terms with my sexuality, having these really hectic um, mental health experiences. Um, alcohol was, just there constantly and I thought that I needed it you know thought you needed it yeah can I ask about the nervous breakdown yeah sure yeah Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm just like yeah um yeah so I had a nervous breakdown and then (laughs) (laughs) just casually casually snuck that in um tell me about that was that linked to the your sexual identity and and about the coming out or yeah definitely I would mm-hmm. say so, you know, I, in Queensland, you finished, um, used to finish a year younger than everybody else. And I w- was 17, moved out of home as soon as I could, ran away basically to Brisbane. Um, somehow still did quite well in school. So I got into um, a good university in Brisbane and the wheels just slowly but surely, you know, started falling off. I just, just wasn't coping well at all. Um, eventually, you know, dropped out of university um you know ended up ended up on job job seeker you know i uh, the wheels had completely fallen off didn't know how to ask for help didn't know um any other way to to get myself out of how i was feeling the thought of going to a psychiatrist psychologist or psychiatrist or a counselor was just not something i even considered you know but back back then what's that nearly 20 years ago um you know it was something that you just didn't think about and the thing that was always there and always accessible was was alcohol Mm. Um, what do you think it was that was making the wheels fall off was it just the whole the pressure of moving out of home and there's still the not coming out what was it everything you know all all the all those things combined so you know I'd moved away from home so I didn't really have a support network um coming to terms with my sexuality a lot of like self um hatred is the word you know definitely a lot of internalized homophobia um you know not not coping um didn't really have the skills you know I was a kid you know I was 17 you know I I couldn't vote um you know and and it just all compounded so much and um it was the perfect storm um for so you were hating yourself you were actually hating uh yeah big time yeah and you know obviously not a great place to be but alcohol was something like it sounds like I'm fond of alcohol when I when I talk about this but alcohol was something that was just dependable it was there and I could always lean on it Um, and I was using it as a tool and of course now I know that it is definitely not the tool that I should have been using but at the time I just legitimately remember thinking I cannot wait until I get drunk to a slam. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? When alcohol becomes, we see it as a solution to the problem that we're having and this Band-Aid, but it's obviously then, and it works, right, momentarily or for that time until it's not working anymore. Exactly. And we have to face our demons. We have to see it eventually with this part of us that hates ourselves and and deal with that part. Mm -hmm. Yep, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so, you know, it was just, it was just this, this, it just escalated and escalated and escalated. I didn't, things calmed down a little bit with my mental health, I would say, after some pretty erratic life decisions that I'd made, you know, dropped out of university, moved back to Cairns, didn't like that, decided I'd save up money and go overseas and, you know, just 
drank and drank and drank and drank, uh, burnt out overseas, spent all my money, came back to Cairns, you know, tail between my legs, um, eventually moved to Melbourne. And that's kind of, you know, it was a positive step um, overall because, you know, Melbourne, a, a much more um, accepting sort of place for, you know, people in the rainbow community. Found a mm. found a bit of a tribe, but a lot of it based around, you know, drinking and, and that social thing. You know, I'm a very social outgoing person, so that's something that I would always, you know, go to. But, it, of course, it was always r- relating to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always included. Things went okay, you know. I, I, ke- I kept a job down, you know, paid rent, and I always used that as a yardstick of, like, how am I going? I've got a job. I paid the rent. And anything else was just gravy i thought i thought you know that is the, that was the, the the achievement that and that's all you needed to do it's like this is life i can pay my rent yep that's a <laughs> job and i thought life done know, i honestly thought that that was it mm. um and uh we know now you know the drinking escalated 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 you know strings of horrific relationships you know experiencing heartache heart heartbreak for the first time I did not take that well the drinking worse and worse and worse and eventually just was dating people that were just not not great ended up unfortunately experiencing sexual violence um, which you know didn't help the situation that I was in you know having these significant mental health experiences drinking you know almost daily pretty much and having like quite a traumatic experience happen you know ask about that experience is it okay to talk about yeah 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 of course um so you know well I will I will say that I did acquire post-traumatic stress um from the incident and that that is the reason why I can talk about it quite openly now just for the people listening it was you know someone that I was dating someone that I knew through a friend that was also experiencing some pretty hectic uh, mental health conditions and you know one night things just I was so wasted and you know specifically remember you know things not being right me obviously not wanting a bar of it and uh, you know it was quite a traumatic experience. Didn't so you were raped? Is yeah. that yeah. yeah right? Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, you know, obviously not great. Uh, mm. But you know, it was not something that I spoke to anybody about. Um, I kept it very secret and hidden, and all the blame went onto myself. Which we, you know, we know from a lot of research these days. You know this would have been about eight years ago. Now we know that, that it's a really common experience where people blame themselves and go through it alone and don't talk to anybody about it. And that's something that that's, you know, sort of snowballed um, for me. We talk about, spoken about the things that just kept escalated in my life, you know, drinking, uptake, more, 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 more. Eventually I sought a counsellor, psych- psychologist rather, and still didn't speak about it. I was speaking about my childhood and, you know, what it was like growing up in, you know, a regional area and experiencing, you know, bullying and that sort of thing and no acceptance. I hadn't even thought about <laughs> disclosing this really horrible thing that had, that had happened to me. And so, you know, all through this, I'm doing this work and it was really important work to be doing with, with the psychologist and didn't think to disclose it, you know, at all. Mm. And I've seen a psychologist for quite a long time now. And that kind of took me up to this point that I was working in Melbourne. You know, I'd done okay in my career. I was working really hard, but I was experiencing a lot of burnout. And I decided to randomly take a career break and moved I still laugh about this. Um, random, quite randomly moved to Alice Springs. As you do. 
As you do, considering I'm a complete ocean person. Uh, <laughs> went there and thought that I was going to have a little break. Ended up working in the public service in quite a stressful job. And then a little thing came along you might have heard of called the Marriage Equality Survey. And I, you know, ended up running the Central Australian, you know, co-running the Central Australian campaign for Yes Vote, obviously. Oh, wow. Which is potentially one of the most stressful things I've ever done in my life. You know, let's not been around. And the alcohol far out, just so much, so much. So you're just piling stress on top, like alcohol on top of stress and yeah. trauma and undealt with PTSD and like what could uh, go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? And <laughs> so I lasted about six months. We got a yes vote. It was 54% in Lingiari, which well done. Look, we'll take, we'll take it. Um, and better than nothing. Yeah, that's right. Moved back to Melbourne and. You know, I was like, that's that's not right. Being back in Melbourne didn't feel right. So I took a job in um, Sydney and moved to sunny Sydney about four years ago. And the drinking, you know, loneliness, not knowing many people, drinking, 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 drinking. Tell me about, was the drinking getting, sorry to cut you off there, but was the drinking, like, were you drinking to blackout often or each day? Or when you say you're drinking daily, was it... Yeah, you know, not, not to blackout on the weekends often blackout, mm-hmm. but, you know, through the week I would do that thing where I'd bargain with myself and be, you know, I can, I can drink this much and I can drink to this point and then I'll stop and that'll help me sleep. You know, this bargaining, this, this constant mm-hmm. tension that I had with myself and the, the, a game that I was playing a game of denial yeah. um, and drinking so much. And got you know getting comments from people, people saying you know you're drinking too much. I was like, no, don't think so. You know you're here too. You know mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't you can't throw shade on me because you're here too. And that you know that that constant thing that you you know you're deep down you're running from. You know if kept going to the psychologist, dealt with the post traumatic stress while I was drinking. Did um, you tell the psychologist, did the psychologist know about your drinking? Did they know how bad it was? The, no, no. Mm. I was one of the, you know, and this is a very normal thing. People don't, I wasn't, I wasn't talking about how much I was drinking. A psychologist in Melbourne did twig to the fact that I was drinking so much. And I was just, no, I'm not stopping drinking. No way. Are you crazy? You know, this is, and I just push back and kind of, I was so defensive about it that I kind of pushed away from that relationship. I'm not going to lie. I, um, Mm. you know, was kind of just, you know, in complete denial. But Andrew, how many people do you think push away from other professionals or even relationships where if they get questioned about alcohol, which they're holding so precious, they see it as their their kind of little saviour or their little safe haven, how many people do you think push away from people if that relationship gets questioned or threatened? So many. You know, mm. I definitely did. I think it's a very common experience for people that are heavy drinkers to find other heavy drinkers mm. and we find each other. You know, it's not hard to find someone to drink with. It's, it's, it's simple, actually. You can go and sit in the pub by yourself and you'll start talking to someone and someone will drink with you. Mm. And you can just kind of ignore what people say, push them away, say, all right, I'm going to go get pissed, uh, you know, see you for brunch and I'll be wildly hungover or yeah. still drunk. Do you think there's an expectation just for, just because of your sexuality to kind of show up as this sort of flamboyant drunk, you know, because a lot of my gay friends that we used to party with, that's that was unfortunately the expectation I kind of had of them, that they were my good time guys, that they yeah. would turn up and, you know, without question, they would never question me with my drinking because I'm not going to question them. And yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like I had this Absolutely. expectation for them to be loud that's- and fun. And that is a huge part of the, you know, LGBTIQA plus community. There's both, as I've mentioned, a lot, you know, a lot of people go through traum- traumatic experiences 
And then there is the ex- the societal expectations of people, you know, it's just like, oh, they love a wine, you know, of mm. course, you know, they're going to be partying, they're going to be out doing stuff. And, and that's, that's exciting. That's, that's, um, you know, attractive, you know, you want these mm. people around you that are, that are having fun all the time and, and doing these, these wild, crazy, sexy things, you know, and, mm. It really is like a, such a pitfall, you know, in our community. And mm. I wish that this this is something. You know, the, the more and more sober I get, the more and more I'm like, well, we've got to we've got to work on this because we are the people that are dying, uh, literally yeah. dying. It affects us. We binge drink more. We have alcohol dependency a lot more than, you know, our heterosexual counterparts. And it's just glazed over. It's glazed over by professionals. It's glazed over by the community itself um, and the, you know, hetero community too. As, oh, it's fine. It's it's not really a problem. I'm just like, Mm. well, actually, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine as like as a community, not to say that it's there's anything wrong with being fun, but seeing it in a different way, like still being able to show up and be flamboyant and be fun, but just not be off your face. <laughs> oh, you know, I cannot tell you the difference it makes when you are sober and still having the time of your life at one mm. of those queer events. Experiencing Mardi Gras sober was is up there with like one of the best experiences of my life marching wow. in Mardi Gras absolutely yeah, because a it's a real celebration of what you're there for rather oh. than just this sort of celebrating getting fucked up with a whole lot of people but actually celebrating what that represents oh absolutely mm. and that's the first time I felt it and that's the first time I was like I well not the first time but you know it was one of those really big core memory things that I'm going to reflect on in a million years that I was a proud sober gay man and it was such an emotional experience I was like half hysterically like it's like euphoric because you feel like a rock star people are literally tears because I'm just like (laughs) like this sort of split screen of you hating yourself so much and then this flipping over to here of you being so proud yeah, you know, proud of who you are and to look back on that making me teary (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was just such a just a beautiful experience, you know, having mm. those people like cheer and shout and, Yay. you know, really rooting for you and, 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 you know, probably just rooting for the sexuality. I was like, well, in my head, I was like, they're, 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 you know, championing me being a sober gay man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, mean, I was think, hearing what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you represent, like, how much of that community do you think you represent as a sober person? Do you see many other sober people within the community? Look, it's it's so few and far between. You know, we we find each other. You know, I've got online connections, and mm. then you know, I'm trying my hardest. You know, I live in one of the queerest cities in the world, mm. and it's really hard to find other queer uh, sober people. And you know, I'm chipping away at it slowly, and you know, yeah. But look, I could count on one hand. The amount of yeah. people, queer people that I that I know. Wow. So okay. And so you've spoken to the you've ended up telling the you started to deal with the PTSD. Can I just ask, was the perpetrator was he ever charged with rape? Did you ever follow that? No, I never reported. And mm-hmm. I'm a part of that statistic of people that don't report. And you know, the drinking had a lot to do with that because I had absolutely no confidence. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell anyone about it and I reflect about it sometimes like you know I I couldn't gosh I couldn't tell you any solid details because of the trauma that I experienced you know I couldn't tell you a day I couldn't tell you a time I couldn't tell you any detail and things may have been a lot different if I was sober and um comfortable with myself most importantly less about the alcohol of course no one deserves anything if they are intoxicated it's always the perpetrator in that case but you know I was just so down on myself there was that under underlying thing of like well this is just something that happens to to people like us yeah I had another lady on this podcast who I actually went to school with and she was raped by a bunch of guys when she was drunk I think they'd got her drunk and also drugged her 
as well. And there's that kind of thing of, well, I was drunk. I can't remember it properly. It's too, you know, too hazy in the memory. Yeah. Just let yeah. it go. And I know I've, I actually know of quite a few people that have been in similar situations where they thought I was, you know, well, I was drunk. I can't really remember it. And, but they know, you know, in your body, if yep. something's oh, absolutely. happened yep. and you just know it. And yeah. it just, for me, you know, it escalated into PTSD and then that was a whole, whole thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, add alcohol into that mix and just chaos, just pure chaos. But that, you know, led to living in Sydney, things going okay at work. Once again, you know, I had my, had a job paying the rent, doing great. And I had a relationship breakdown number four million seven hundred and fifty five and i i had another nervous breakdown and this time it was very very serious you know i went to the doctor barely barely somehow managed to get into a doctor barely remember it but then you know i was in emergency sat there for eight hours catatonic basically can't really remember much about it you know I didn't get admitted um got sent home and got some follow-up home care people but I was just so embarrassed you know I was so embarrassed you know feeling slightly better and they wanted to like come to my house and like talk to me I was like no you can't come to my house (laughs) and you know so I organized these secret meetings with you know mental health nurse in a car park of a hospital (laughs) it's not funny it's not it's not funny but you know it's kind of funny Mm. and the and this is you know testament to the literacy of maybe some mental health care professionals and and medical professionals but I um was chatting to the nurse you know getting to know and they said oh how do you feel about how you coping with being HIV positive and I said what what are you talking about? So they'd taken my bloods at the hospital, right, to check your thyroid and, and, and that sort of thing. And I didn't have any of this information, like a, whatever, and I didn't really, wasn't really listening, didn't know what they were testing for. And so the nurse kind of started the conversation like that. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, oh, it says here in, that you're HIV positive. And I said, I don't think I am because I take a medication called PrEP, which um, is a a preventative, basically. It's kind of like the pill, but for gays. And it can, you know, it gives huge defense to acquiring HIV. I haven't thought about HIV in a very, very long time because Mm -hmm. it's magic medication. Mm -hmm. And so then that caused just so much anxiety and panic within me. I was like, even though, you know, obviously HIV, not a death sentence anymore, very treatable. I had to have this like conversation. I was like, can you please check the notes? Can you please get my blood? So it was just this huge panic. And just, you know, I was at the, one of the lowest points of my life get, hearing this information and it was a mistake. You know, she'd made the assumption that because I was taking this medication that I was HIV positive. Oh, so you were and looking, You're not? No, 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 no. Oh, no. So like, I was like, I cannot believe this is happening to me. You know, I, <laughs> you know, it was at the lowest point in my life. They're telling me this thing that wasn't true um you oh, know God. because of their poor literacy in the space to hear that was just such a wildly bizarre unbelievable my <laughs> god and so how is it looking for you then at this point so what's the alcohol how's it looking for you um it was so bad i was drinking 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 how much that were you drinking coping strategies probably three bottles of wine minimum a night Whoa. Minimum. Wow. And that was that was the bargain that I just kind of did with myself about that's how much I need to get to sleep, you know, and thinking that, you know, this is this delicious quality sleep that I was having, obviously horrific sleep. Just, I was a mess. I was a mess. I was falling, falling apart once again. And how did you look when you're drinking three bottles of wine a night minimum? Are you like bloated or how are you? Oh, I'll send you a photo. It's disgusting. (laughs) I, you know, I was 15 kilos heavier, first of all. My face is just so big. My eyes are disgusting, like bloodshot red. It was just, I would have stunk like booze. You know, you Mm. you think you, I thought that I'd get away with all this, of course. Some people Mm. are just like, uh, you got a problem but you know mm. the majority of people I guess I did get away with 
with it. And looked terrific, felt terrific, and managed to find a doctor, a gay doctor. Luckily, kind of, we, you know, we spoke a bit about my drinking, you know, my body and my brain, you know, the subconscious bit broke through and kind of said, oh, you know, I'm drinking <laughs> a lot yeah. because of my mental health, because of my mental I need it. I need it. I need this. And <laughs> went to, um, they made a recommendation to one of their colleagues that runs, you know, a program called Clean Slate Clinic just for a chat. Didn't want to scare me off. Just for a little chat, and you know, I booked in an appointment with them, and um, they the care that I got was just phenomenal. What is um, the Clean Slate Clinic? Just for Clean Slate Clinic. So when I did it, it was a um, in person um, home detox program, mm. where basically, the, under the guidance of a GP, um, took. And, you know, I, I went down the very the medication route. So I spoke with, uh, sorry, I was taking, I started on some antidepressants. You know, I'd, I'd kind of gone on and off them over the years, but I didn't really like how I feel. Your dick stops working, which is not ideal when you're gay. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> anyone. <laughs> anyone, yeah, true. And, um, <laughs> you know, went on antidepressants. Um, started uh, a drug called naltrexone, which is, had been shown to be very effective for alcohol mm. cessation. It kind of renders alcohol useless. Worked closely with them to pick a date, start some Valium to kind of chill you out because obviously coming off alcohol can be very dangerous, particularly for someone that was drinking so much as, as I was. So put this big plan into place and I wasn't really on board. You know, I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. This guy's really nice. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And went and got absolutely hammered. First night hammered, second night just topped up and had quite a terrible experience the second night. You know, went, I'd done something stupid, like a, a car didn't stop for me and I kicked it. Nearly got my the shit kicked out of me. Um, oh. Went went and I was hanging out with my best friend, and he was trying to hook up with another guy, and I was just obnoxiously drunk. And that he had to take me home, and he's trying to pick up, and I'm just like spewing and like not a good a wingman. Mess. No, no, <laughs> not not a good wingman. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of woke up in the morning. And I was like, okay, I should probably take this. You know, it wasn't a rock bottom. I never hit rock bottom. Um, oh, okay. Right. Sounds like you've hit a few rock yeah. bottoms. <laughs> a few times. Actually. How's my denial going now? So how low are we like, aiming to go here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I've got oh, a question. Um, were you taking the naltrexone and all that medication when you had these two big nights? No. Oh, no. great. So okay. the, mm-hmm. the, I was cracking on the Monday. The Monday was when I was going to stop. And I felt so horrific, you know. Some some days I wouldn't drink because I was so cooked from the previous things. But that was a time warp, you know. When they say that I was drinking every day, sometimes I wasn't, but that's because I was so physically poisoned. You, you <laughs> I just couldn't. Couldn't. Yeah, yeah. couldn't. Couldn't. And I feel like that's a normal experience for a lot of people. Um, started taking the drugs. Of course, alcohol and antidepressants don't mix, you know, mm. p- plot twist. And started the naltrexone, started the Valium, kept going with the antidepressants. And one day, two days, one week, two months, three years. Wow. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well done. That's amazing. And so what was it like being medicated? Mm-hmm. How long did you stay on all that medication for? Yeah, so I found the medication to be so useful. You know, antidepressants, I needed that uh, foundation. You know, I needed that foundation. The Valium I needed, you know, to help sleep and calm me down and that, like, alcohol sweats that you'd get, that I'd get horrific. And the naltrexone was a a really great mental block Mm -hmm. that I used. And, you know, I, you know, I never drank. 
I, so I couldn't even tell you what the experience was, but apparently it makes the effects of alcohol useless. So I had oh. that in my head, had all of this, all of my past in my head. You know, I had these things just floating around in my head at all times. You know, this is what your past was. You're going to be dead soon. Here's this medication that's doing this. Here's this medication that's helping you here. And this is helping you sleep. So I had these things. I had this fantastic support from my GP um, through the Clean Sight Clinic. Then I was seeing a psychologist regularly, um, had these things that I'd put in place. You know, I'd, I'd read the riot act to all my friends and said, I'm, I'm doing this. You know, I, I just stood up and, I'm sorry, I stood up and just my body and my brain just decided to just keep on going. <laughs> and I mm. put all these things in place and just held on for dear life. You know, I poured myself into because the most important thing that was popping up is that I knew I was going to die, I think. And when you have that in your head, it's just a wildly confronting thing, you know, dead by 40, you know, what, what a, what a waste. I did, you know, I did enjoy elements of life and I didn't want to die. <laughs> and so kind of had like a, a little remix, like a, a thing in my head that I could, I could lean on these things when, when I needed to had all these tools that I'd like made and pulled together and it worked, you know, to talk to my friends said, you know, I'm not drinking. Don't ever let me drink. If you see me drinking, you know, talk to me about it. I, this is a really important thing that I wanted to tell people that are maybe thinking about drinking, uh, stopping drinking. I, the most valuable thing that I found is telling all my friends that if I said that I needed to go, they were to do whatever in their power to facilitate me leaving as quickly as possible. Mm. And without a doubt, that has been one of the most useful things. Wow. So their friends did that. They followed through and did that for That's you. That's right. Yeah. Pulling that, yeah. giving people that are stopping drinking the opportunity to pull a ripcord and leave was without a doubt one of the most helpful things because you know, I am a social person. I couldn't close myself off. I couldn't sit at home and, you know, going to the pub, I needed to sober up in the pub. And that was difficult. You know, all that muscle memory. Wow. <laughs> Walking to the pub. <sighs> and sometimes I'd go to the pub for 15 minutes. This is really important. What you're saying right now is so very important for people to hear this, that, you know, if you're uncomfortable and it's time to go, get the fuck out of there that's right yeah. that's right and it's 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 the batman move you know get out of there you know yeah. you gotta go and what would you notice what was what would start to show up for you before you knew that you had to pull the cord and get out yeah so quite basic things you know boredom mm. feeling like you're missing out people slurring around you people being in your face there is nothing more annoying we <laughs> pretend like it's not annoying but it is. Mm. You know, because we've got to play in the space where alcohol is still everywhere. I've mm. escaped this cult. I've escaped the cult, but everybody else is still in the cult, it feels like. Mm. You know, these people kind of have the poison in front of you. What's killing you is right in front of you. And when you start to feel that urge, when you feel like you want to give up, when you feel like you want to have a drink, I think fall back on what you've got in place. Think about those things. I knew naltrexone was going to make alcohol useless. I knew I could go and buy a liter of ice cream. I knew that I could get up in the morning to do something really great. And I'm not a very spiritual spiritual person, but I could go and do something cool. I could go watch the sunrise or something, mm. you know, have those things sort of ready to go. But what did I feel? Yeah, you know. It's it's quite basic stuff, basic human stuff. You know, you're not connecting with someone, and or that's you're a exactly bit shy, right, you're a bit yeah. nervous, or you're a bit yeah. anxious. You know, I have carried carried delicious anxiety for most of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, so you just got to uh, get down low and go, 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 go. Oh my god, yes, that's so true. It's knowing when it's time to go. That's so important. You know. Yeah. Yeah, anyone listening to this, anywhere, it doesn't matter where you are. I had a lady on this podcast who left her dad's funeral because it was yeah. like it was getting too much for her and she was starting to want to do what the rest of the family were doing. So she yeah. left her dad's funeral. I mean, that's 
that's yeah. that's pretty full you know that's amazing and what a big step yeah. to take just to to show up for yourself and say you know I'm out because this is more important to me than fitting in or being dealing with this feeling of not you know not being comfortable right now yeah it's more important for me to get out of here and you know I feel for, for you know that that person and in being in that situation because you've you know, potentially would have felt incredibly guilty or guilty yeah. leaving a situation like that. But you've, yeah, and and I've had to do it a few times, putting it into perspective of, you know, I'm a far better person when I'm sober. I'm a far better person to all of the people that are there, you know, sober and, and, and with it and, you know, a much better friend, you know, partner, sibling, you know, whatever off the source. I... <laughs> Yeah, and I think we can all agree. We can all agree with that, you know, and not agree with that, but we can all, we all feel that, that we're so much better yeah. as an individual, as a partner, as a friend without it. Yeah. Tell me a little bit, just cycling back again, that point when you do leave the party or when you know you have to leave the pub and your friends are all still there having a good time, this is for people listening, that that can be really tough. You yeah. feel a bit lonely, can't you, sometimes where it's like, you know, when you know that you've got to go. And you go, go, go. Yeah. Yeah. What what would you say to people? How do you overcome that? Yeah, it's shit. It's shit. Yeah. And unfortunately, you've got to get used to it. And that sounds really cruel, doesn't it? But it's true. You've got to go through that emotion of feeling lonely and feeling like you're missing out and all of that stuff. And it, of course, it's it's not it's not that real. It's kind of un- unfounded. You're not missing out on anything. Sure, you might be lonely, but like, I don't know, go, go have sex or like, <laughs> you know, find someone to have sex with or, God, is, is that a healthy strategy for me? Maybe not. Um, you know, <laughs> we could be replacing one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, do, no, do, I some, get it. do something yeah. that feels good. You know, we're, we're on the feel good train. When you don't drink, find your things, find your things that make you feel good. Some people it's tea. You know, some people it's ice cream, some people it's sex, sometimes it's being in a real frump, you know, go home and be pissed off, you know, be annoyed. And that's yeah. okay. That's okay. You, you'll yeah. be fine. You yeah, will be fine. You'll get <laughs> it's through okay it. okay to say the F word, you know. Um, yeah. God, even basic things like, oh, great, you know, have a shower, sit down in the shower, do something yeah. relaxing. There's meditation, there's all that stuff. Yeah, there's so many things you can do or or ways in which one thing I'd say to some, like I'd say to some people that I'm coaching as well is like, if you're worried about coming home, have something waiting for you that's going to be nice when you get home. So change your sheets, put clean sheets on your bed Uh and have a nice cup of tea, like have the teapot ready, have it all set up, ready to go so that, you know, when you get home, you can have a nice cup of tea, wash your face, get into bed into those clean sheets beautiful yeah. what is better uh, in life than clean sheets delicious hey oh it's, my god it's um it's yeah it's god this sounds like such a corporate term but like you know set yourself up for success it's yeah. so true you know <laughs> clean sheets like yeah god god i lean on that so much oh clean sheets are next to godliness for me it's okay. like, <laughs> i could do you know getting into bed in the nude in clean sheets every day of my life i would yeah. but uh the dream. Of water. But look, that's such great, solid advice. Like that's so amazing. If there's one thing to take away from this podcast today, it's that get out when you've got to go. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to sit at home on your own, but if it's 15 minutes, I love that. He said after 15 minutes, once you had to go, that's incredible. Yeah. And it's okay. And letting yeah. people know that that's what you're going to do. Like if I feel uncomfortable, I'm out. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Brilliant. You know, once again, lean on your friends. Even though plot twist, you, they probably won't be your friends in a few years. But you know, <laughs> get, <laughs> I don't, don't want to scare anybody. It's yeah, it sounds really bad, but you know, you change friends. It's all part of the process. You know, lean on them, lean on them. They're your friends. They do care about you. They love you. You know, mm-hmm. they can do that for you. They can help you out. Yeah, absolutely. Such. Thank you so much for that. That's great. And so, how long did you stay on the Naltrex zone for? So about six months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So six, I think I stopped, weaned off Valium quite quickly. That was probably over about three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's quite dangerous to take anything longer, of course. Longer than two weeks, yeah. Yeah, under the supervision of my GP, I weaned off that six months naltrexone and then eventually weaned off antidepressants. And this this is going to, you know, bring you right up to, you know, recent time. I went off you know, antidepressants and I had about a year and a half. We, we, 
you know, the world fell apart. We went through COVID. It's horrific. Had no sort of, ooh, no real comp. You know, everybody was having a rough time. So I c- couldn't really get on top of where I was at with my mental health. Anyway, big, huge plot twist. I'm 36. And like a month ago, I was to such a relief diagnosed with bipolar. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that felt good, did it? Oh, to get that, my yeah. gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. I, I'm laughing about it because it was just such a relief. I was like, oh, okay, this makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And it explains so much of my behavior and the highs and lows and what I was using alcohol for, you know, and these drastic life decisions I was making, such as moving to the bush, like, hello. Um, you know, <laughs> it just, I've got this, so I'm learning a lot uh, about it at the moment. I've got this new framework that I'm applying to my life. And I'm just so happy. <laughs> mm. I've started I've started taking the correct medication, you know, that that is gonna help me out. And yeah. I'm already like feeling so good. You know. It's so great to finally when you understand yourself. Oh. And whether that's just realizing that you you know, whether it's getting a diagnosis or whether it's understanding your past trauma, because oftentimes we're cruising through life going, No, I had it great. Once you understand yourself and then you can understand your behaviours and then it kind of, you stop hating on yourself so much. You're like, I get it now. Yeah. And, you know, you look back on, you know, what I was thinking 15 years ago and compare it to now, it's just so wildly different. Mm, That's so (laughs) good, isn't it? So Um, good. Yeah. What's your relationship with yourself like now? Where is, you know, you were saying that when you were younger, you were hating yourself. How does that sit for you now? Oh, I respect myself. I, I, I look after myself. I look after my, my poor body. It's mm. been through a lot. I, I exercise every day. I, I, you know, have installed all these new things to like help me cope with modern life. Mm. And my relationship is great. I am just out there like just I'll give anything a go. Everybody says that they are tired watching me because, you know, I'm, I swim in the ocean every day. I love body surfing. I started pole dancing. I play volleyball. Um, I've become a lifesaver, surf lifesaver, um, you know, and uh, swim in ocean races. It's just my life is just great. <laughs> wow. So it sounds like you just really got into life as uh, well. Yeah. yeah. After flatlining for so long. And there is a tiny bit of like, why do I waste so much time? But anyway, we won't think about it. Well, you can't go there. Yeah. 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 It's the forbi- yeah, forbidden, forbidden fruit. Yeah, it <laughs> Don't is. Don't get stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to go through it to end up where you are. It wouldn't be so sweet to be where you, where you are now if you That's hadn't right. been where you've been. Exactly. Tell me, you know, for people listening, God, look, if they need to contact someone like the Clean Slate Clinic, that's incredible. And I'll put, are they still operational? Like yep. put them in the show notes. Yeah. And so they've actually moved over to a telehealth um, mm-hmm. scenario. You know, COVID obviously yeah. opened the doors wildly for them because now people can access it, you know, through um, telehealth, which is fantastic for people all, all over Australia. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, yeah. save my life. I, yeah. I'm living proof. I, God, I, I, who knows? Probably dead. Who knows? Yeah. Where? Yeah. Well, that was my next question. Where do you think you would be now if you hadn't have gone down this road of, you know, oh, getting cleaner just, and looking after yourself? I just, you know, where do I think I'd be? I'd probably still be, you know, just, just drunk and unhappy and pissed off and and just wasting my life just wasting it and then I think about all the things that I've done and achieved and you know how much I enjoy life now and I just think cool, yeah, cool. <laughs> just cool I'm just like I'm just it's kind of like you you reflect on that and it's it's like oh god just that poor guy just that poor guy that that just is pissing it all away and you know, I'd go back and shake myself, but I guess, you know, three years ago, I did it, did it, it was fucking hard, but I did it. But you did it. Yeah. Well done. Tell me, Andrew, what was it like being in your body when you were back there hating yourself, 
what was it like to, in that moment, in those moments where you were on your own, perhaps waking up the next day after a big night, what was it like inside you? What was it like to be you? So this, this was a part of my toolkit, actually, of things to remember when you are feeling low, down, feel like you want to drink. That feeling of waking up like you were going to die just from opening your eyes. Imagine never, ever, ever experiencing that again. You know, Mm. I am never going to experience that again. And that feeling of like incredible dehydration, you're cracking headache, you feel like you're going to shit yourself, you know, it's or piss yourself or both. What a horrific thing. And I look back on it now and it's like, I cannot believe that I used to just keep going back and back and back and back and back to feel like that. What was the thing, you know, I know obviously it was the PTSD and, and the, the, from a young age kind of avoiding who you were, mm-hmm. what, what was it towards the end that you were trying to escape and not sit with and not be with? Well, I think by this stage, I was just in full blown alcohol dependency, mm. you know, the, the, I lost completely sight of all of that. I don't. I don't think that was a conscious thought, to mm. be honest. Mm-hmm. That was. That was the damage was done, and then I was just down this horrible road of alcohol dependency, yes. where did did you did alcohol took over? Yeah, and so to sit in yourself, to be like, so to imagine like right in the thick of it, yep. when you were right really in that addiction phase, and if you didn't have the option of alcohol one evening what would it have been like to sit in yourself internally screaming it felt like screaming yeah screaming i would spin all this shit you know so much shit but screaming just this physical Mm. pain you know well emotional pain and then physical pain and then psychological pain so so much pain to sit and to be you was just pain and just screaming yeah wow what's it like inside you right now Oh, I need a wee. I feel good. I feel great. You know, I, you know, I'm still on a high from swimming in the ocean this morning, catching some horrifically large waves. I, you know, I feel good. So the screaming stopped. The screaming stopped. Mm. You know, and I'm not gonna lie, like it, it pops back to bed. You know, I was, I was a raging alcoholic. It still pops into my head, but the more that happens, the more you just like you just. Take it, grab onto the thoughts, think about it, and remember almost shitting yourself in bed. <laughs> Sometimes there's really negative things that get you through, and other times it's it's the most of the time it's the positive. You know, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a swim at lunchtime. I'm gonna get back in the ocean. Yeah, that's right. It's gonna be great. What a different frame of mind. So different. It is it's so vastly different, and it's just like I could just burst with joy. Just the just the the two differences, you know, this one person that was screaming in so much agony just to be in themselves and to now, apart from needing a wee, yeah. you, you know, <laughs> feeling like it's all quietened down and it's it's a yeah. joyous place for you to be. It's a yeah. beautiful place for you to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I just couldn't recommend it more. I just couldn't recommend it more. So that's one, you know, and it is such a beautiful place to be on this other side. And I would say to people that are listening, you know, tuning in with yourself and asking yourself what it's like to be inside you right now. And if you're getting that pull of like, it's not good inside me right now, I'm screaming, I'm in pain, please reach out to someone, reach out to a professional, get some help, go see a GP, you know, reach out to a psychologist or a therapist or, you know, just reach out because that's not a place where you want to be. That's it's right. not a safe place to be. It's absolutely not. And I just, I was just stuck in it for so long. And I, and I, of course, I wish I did something earlier, you know. Yeah. My husband once described getting his mental health back to a great place and getting rid of alcohol, which was the big catalyst for getting the mental health back to where he wanted to be. It was like taking rocks out of his backpack. Oh, I love that, yeah. you know, and then he could just fly up the hill now, you know, yeah. if he needs to, but it was just like weighing him down. And once yeah. you, I love that analogy and that thought of just taking the rocks out of the backpack and yeah. setting yourself free. But 
we've all been there and there's no shame in reaching out for help if if you need it and get the help. It's not worth sitting there and you don't have to stay there in that place. That's right. You don't have to. You feel, and, you know, I felt it. I remember feeling just so stuck, just Mm. stuck, and there's nothing I can do to fix this. But, you know, you start with start with that one, if we're using the rock analogy, start with a tiny rock, you know, start with mm. the smallest one you can find and then eventually it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Come swim yeah. in the ocean with me. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about hooking up or catching up with you, um, you know, you've now taken over Intoxicated, which, as I said, Faye Lawrence has been on the podcast. She's such a amazing human she's an amazing sober coach as well yeah. she's a psychologist she's very she's very trauma informed she's an incredible human yeah. so she was running that and now she's handed the reins over to you yeah running intoxicated so tell us a bit about what you guys have what you've been doing and what you offer for people yeah sure so intoxicated we're a not for profit and the the whole basis of intoxicated is to help people um, build capacity in themselves uh, to socialize without booze. It's that simple, really. Mm. Um, so it's kind of, you know, we are, we are a health promotion organization, but the, the crux of it is that we create space and, and run events and, you know, drop into events and take up space as people that don't drink um, so we can connect with each other. And I have to say, the reason why I fell in love with it is I remember going along to a meetup I didn't know anybody. I was so scared and nervous. and But I knew that I needed to make friends with people that didn't drink. It's, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, went along and, you know, from the moment that I first started to speaking to someone, you've got this beautiful thing in common that you aren't drinking. Mm-hmm. And the relationships and bonds and friendships that I've formed from getting involved with Untoxicated have just blown, you know, blown my mind you know some of my closest friends now I've I've met through intoxicated mm. but you know we give space to people to get out there I can't sit at home <laughs> I'm not going to sit on my ass doing nothing you know I'm I'm an extrovert sorry to all the introverts out there <laughs> of course everybody you know we, we we get you know people from all walks of life and but you know we've got this really beautiful thing in common where we connect have fun do cool things together just without booze and you know you do it once some people do it once and they're like oh i can do this that's that's easy never come back and that's totally fine and then you you know we get people that you know i've got these wonderful relationships i've watched all these friendships grow between my eyes and it's been just such a wonderful thing to be involved with and Mm. you know um watch these people flourish in in their sobriety or or no drinking or even people that you know sober conscious um as well you know we we do get people that um, still drink you know but mainly not very much and then we get people that have never drunk of course um some people just have never drunk alcohol before in their lives and wow and they go as well that's interesting yeah yeah, of course why not yeah yeah and you know most of the people that come to intoxicated aren't problem drinkers you know they're not they're not like me you know definitely probably in the the gray area space but you know as you know it's a huge movement i think it's amazing and so what kind of things do you do so it's not like it's like um you know sometimes people might think about a sober catch-up and it's going to be like everyone singing kumbaya around cup of English breakfast. <laughs> yeah, so, so we are not, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, that's a very, very different sort of organization. And all we do is basically we you have volunteer hosts that will pick something that they want to do and then invite people from intoxicated. And, you know, the examples are just endless, you know, rock climbing, um, we do do hikes. I know that, you know, that's a bit, I love a hike. Bit, everyone loves a hike. Um, trivia, excuse me, um, we go to the pub still, which sounds Ooh. horrifying, but we still go to the pub and we take up the space and we demand that there's alcohol-free options on the bar and, you know, make sure, you know, host check that before we go to these places. Do you Gosh, go to gigs? Roller skating, <laughs> yes, gigs, comedy, um, theatre, you know, obviously we try and do things where people can talk a bit as well, um, mm. but movies, you know, you name it, Any, anything that you would have done drinking apart from like you know the 3am raves probably you know we we get in and and do all that stuff together and it's just that it's just that beautiful like safety that you've got with people 
that that mm. also aren't drinking. It's really nice. It's really cool. So if people want to reach out and or find something that's going on, so it's not just Sydney, is it? It's, no, so it's we're in the three big cities. So I, I, I'm desperately trying to get my money to expand. We're in Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne mm-hmm. um, currently, and yeah, so we're we're on Meetup, you know, under Untoxicated, or of course you can um, follow us on Instagram or Facebook as well. Check I'll out put, what's going on. Come yeah. along. Yeah, I'll put links in the show notes for nice. people. I think it's such a great thing that you're offering, a great service, and it's it's wonderful. And that's what people want. You know, they you can feel so isolated. Yeah. But if you know you can go hang out with people, and they're not wankers, and they're not going to be you know, jerky. Yeah, exactly. Daggy. We... Are they daggy? No. Hello. <laughs> Listen, look at me. I'm not daggy. I'm no, probably, you're not daggy. I'm probably a bit daggy. You're not daggy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, it, 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 we're a judgment-free space. You know, everybody is is on their own journey. You know, as I mentioned, it's such a mixed bag of people. You know, get people like me, and I'm the, in the in the minority, of people with, you know, drinking problems. It's not, it's not all about, we're, we're not there to talk about any of that stuff. It's short. Sometimes drinking problems do come up, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, we don't really talk about it that much. Sometimes we do. Sometimes people will share and, and, and that's cool, but we're not, we're not a help group. We're not, you know, we're not there to preach. We're, we're mantra. You know, our mantra is no mantra, you know, just, just come have fun. So what else have you got? So can people like look on the website and it'll show yeah. what you've got happening? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually list things on Meetup, um, which is super easy to to access and get an account and everything. And you just just see them; they pop up. You know, it's 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 wildly varied. You know, mm, we do like so cool sculptures so awesome. by the sea. You know, yeah, Indian I love it. feasts. Oh, yum! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should start one in um, Byron. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I need to get some money. On, you know. I'm working Bridget. on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you kind of rely on funding and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Well, we've got no funding at the moment, but, you know, I'm trying. Mm, you should start a GoFundMe page. Yeah. And, and I'm de- you know, just, I, I, I want to take some corporate money. You know what I mean? Well, if any corporates listening out there and want to throw some money yeah. towards Untoxicated, get in touch with Andrew. Nice. <laughs> you never know, you know. Yeah, it's true. Um, oh, that's fantastic, Andrew. I love what you do and you you are an incredible human and for what you've been through, I just think it's so wonderful to see someone come through what you've been through and come out on the other side and to be able to just to witness someone who's comfortable in their skin and, and not screaming anymore on the inside is so beautiful to see. So well done and well done to you for just doing all that hard work to get yourself here. It's not easy. Oh, thank you. You know, it's, I will say it's worth it. Yeah. hundred percent. If you could last question, if you could go back in time and speak to young Andrew, you know, 14 year old Andrew, that's, you know, feeling uncomfortable in his skin and using alcohol to escape that, what would you say to him? What advice would you give him? Oh, kind of a bit emotional. Um, what would I say? I would say it gets better. There's a good life ahead. Mm. Just kick the booze. Don't, don't, don't fuck around with booze. Yeah, it's a good, it gets better. There's a good life ahead. Yeah. Love that. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Andrew Addy. It was really beautiful to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. Love your work. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.